Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. You know, over the last week, you know, I preached a sermon on burdens last week, um, Nehemiah. And I've had, honestly, a lot of people mention that and share, like, it just really, you know, there are sermons that you share that are like, you know, they hear it, and then it's like, you know, whatever. And then there are sermons where they're sticky. They stick to us. And I felt like this sermon that I shared last week really stuck to people, really resonated with people. And this is why. Because every one of you were created with a burden. Because God, it's God's design. Like he created you with a burden. And so we are all desiring to find out what is it? Why, what is God created me for? And, and what I want to say this for is this, is that I want you to continue to pursue whatever that is. Like maybe God hasn't illuminated every area for you or hasn't disclosed a certain area. But I believe that as you continue to to pursue, what is it, God, that you have for me? What is a burden on the inside of me that you have that you would continue to, to not let it just be, you know, just be sitting on in your mind, that you begin to flush that out? What does it look like to do this, God? And uh, I, I just want to encourage you to not allow what last week's sermon was about to be something that you like, oh yeah, I need a burden. No, that you would really dig in and allow the Holy Spirit to refuel and reignite and you know, do what he wants to do through you in, inside of that, in, in spite of that burden, maybe not knowing where it is, that you would allow it to come to flourishing. Um, so with that being said, you can, you can turn your Bible with me to Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to be reading t- three verses. Um, Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9 is what we're going to be reading. And uh, this is a little bit different than what I've been talking. I mean, I'm talking about culture, but in a little bit different way. Um, and uh, I just felt like this was really necessary for uh, this week to share. And so we're going we're gonna to pick up in verse 7. We'll read through 9. And, um, and then we will we'll kick this off. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, the title is called, Who Has Your Seeds? Who Has Your Seeds? In verse 7, we're going to read. It says this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and destruction or death from the natural, from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is alive, it's living, and it's active. That God, even right now, God, the words that are on this page, God, are ministering to our hearts. God, that have the capacity to change us from the inside out. Father, I thank you that you would allow us, God, to to hear these words, to hear the the words that you're speaking through these pages, God. Then you would allow them to touch our hearts. And God, change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that this would make you more famous today than yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen. So here we, we see that he's talking about sowing and reaping. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how, uh, I don't know if you've ever loaned something out to somebody. You've, you know, you're like, hey, can I borrow your car? Your car's a little bit bigger. I've got to go get this thing. I need a truck. And uh, so all of you who've chosen not to have a truck, you're smart. For all of us that have trucks... Not so smart. 
sometimes. But if you've ever had someone, you know, they're like, hey, can I borrow a truck? Can I borrow whatever it may be? And you get it back into one of two conditions, right? You get it back with a couple of scratches, it's on E, and a couple of low tires. <laughs> or you get it back, oftentimes, I guess you could get it back three times. You get it like they, they this is the either even the fun one. Like they put the exact same amount of gas that was in it. They don't go over, <laughs> even though you let them borrow the vehicle. And then you get those that like, they detail your car, they polish the wheels and tires, they open the engine, they get it detailed, they fill it up with gas, and they put like a little scentsy smeller over in, in the mirror. I mean, you know, you got those types of people, like it's like you got this extreme, you got this one, then you got ones that'll just be like, I'm just going to put exactly the amount of gas that was in there. And... And I was thinking about that, how this is like the world. Like, we let somebody use our stuff. We, so, we let them use something. And we never, when you, when you allow the world in your life, that you never get it back the way that you would anticipate it. It always comes back with, you know, taillight missing. Uh, you know, you know some of those people, right? It's like, I've let people use my trailer. And I'm like, hey, can I borrow your trailer? I'm like, yeah. And I get back. And it's like, it doesn't have taillights on it. It has a, a, a bent side rail. I'm like, what happened to my trailer? And they don't tell you about it. They return it as if it's 100% good. I'm like, okay, well, I go to use it, and half of my wires are ripped out of the thing. I'm like, okay, cool. I guess I get to work on my trailer for you. Thank you. Right? And this is how really the world is, is that when we give the world our seed, this is the return we get. We oftentimes get, it's on empty, it's got a taillight missing, I mean, it stinks in there, like they had five cats in there. I mean, it's just, it's not what you anticipated you would have, right? And, and this is what, this is Paul, he's, he's breaking this down, and I love that he opens up and he says, do, he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. And here's the point is that so many times that the world would try to say, look, you can have it better here than you will in the world, than, than you will with God. And God says, look, what you may get in this world may please your flesh, but just know, don't think that you're going to be able to mock God because when eternity, when you stand in eternity, all of this is going to be measured. He says, don't think you can mock God and think that you can get by. Because sometimes, right, in the, in this world, it seems like all these certain people that aren't serving God are getting ahead. And God is saying, just watch, just know, you, God is not going to be mocked in this, that what you sow, you reap, what you plant, you harvest, and that's how he ends it, right? He says, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God, you will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. And my, my challenge for us this morning is to realize or to become awakened to what are we sowing into? What world, what life, what way are we sowing into the world? And I want to flesh this a little bit out in, in like a, uh, in a natural, like realistic setting because most of us aren't farmers, right? Some of us have a little bit of a green thumb. We like to do some planting here and there, but this is coming from an agricultural setting. And what this is, is saying, it's not saying that we're literally casting seeds out into the world. It's saying that what we do with our time, our energy, our resources, all of the things that we do to live, what are we using those for? Is it to, to go into the world and allow it to influence and invade and to consume our lives? Or do we, do we spend the seeds that we have, our time, our energy, our resources, and we, do we put it back in the kingdom? Because, again, he goes off and he says this, what we harvest, I mean, what we plant, 
is what we harvest. Right? So he's setting this all up. And he's, he's letting us know he starts this all off with that. And then he goes into those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature. So what he's saying is when you, when you gratify your sinful nature, you're sowing seeds in it. Because what you harvest is death and decay. What you do when you sow into your spiritual life is what you reap is this. It says that you receive everlasting life. So here he's, he's trying to set some things up for us to understand that what we sow into is what we reap from. Is what our lives look like. And here's this first point that I want to drive home based on this stuff is this. Is that your life will look like the world you trust in. Your life is already beginning to be formed like the world you trust in. In other words, what, what you are constantly sowing seed into is what, your life, is what your life is beginning to look like. If it's, you know, if it's, you're sowing into seeds into your life financially, it's like you got, uh, you know, you, you were consumed with, I've got to get this place in life and my status and my career. I've got to have this kind of car. I've got to have this kind of life. And this is what we do is we begin to go after that to get, we think this will fix me. If I get this and we get this kind of a car, because then people will perceive, they'll assume this is, I'm successful. Even though you're walking around with an $800, you know, a month car payment, but you still look cool, right? This is the high, this is the idea is that if we sow into the flesh, it'll give us what we think it needs, like what we think we need and it won't. Paul is setting this up to let us know, look, what we sow into is not always going to give us what we think it will. And here he's saying, if you sow into the flesh, you're going to miss the greatest opportunity of your life by throwing the seeds that should be sown into the kingdom into this world. And the world, here's the thing we have to understand, is that the world is set up to feed your flesh. Right? Like, think about how many um, food trucks there are that serve, that like, hey, we're a new food truck coming into Bentonville area. We're going to serve steamed or um, grilled broccoli and, and, and um, cauliflower. How many of y'all are going to be running to that food truck? No, right, because that is not feeding my flesh. Now, if it was like something else, I'm going to run to it because that, that's, the, that's this kind of the analogy. Like so many times we, the world is set up to feed your desires and cravings. Right? The things that you like, you get a new food truck coming into to town with, you know, something to do with like, I don't know, hot bread? Like, I'm in that. Like, some breakfast thing? I'm in on that. Right? Because it's going to feed my flesh and my belly. <laughs> and I'm going to jump on that. And here, Paul is letting us understand that the life you, that you have is going to look like the seeds that you're sowing into. You're going to become carnal thinking. You're going to be carnal reaction. When you sow into the world, that's how you're going to automatically react. That's how you're going to automatically perceive life. He says, do you want death and decay or do you want life, everlasting life? And here's the thing is that it doesn't, sometimes we don't realize or we don't, we don't cognitively think about the end while we're in the middle of sowing into our future, into our, into our pleasures now, the things that we want now. And, and the, the world doesn't say, hey, if you sow into us, if you sow into this in your, in your flesh, that you can, you're going to be rewarded for eternity. No, it gives you a fix in this moment, right? It wants to fix whatever your craving is in that moment, right? And that's what is so designed and set up is for the culture to give you what you need in this moment, right? Where you sow will be contingent on what you trust or what you want. 
Keep in mind, what is that, what is that saying? Is that if I trust, see, we sow into the kingdom or the culture and the things that we want. We sow into the kingdom when we trust. There are times where we have to trust that what we sow into the kingdom is going to produce more than what we can do in the world. And there's oftentimes the world is going to promise you a quick fix. It's going to give you what you need. That's really the, the temptation with the world is it oftentimes can give you something that you need instantly. You can get it right there in that moment. And sometimes through, through us having to like having to trust the kingdom way, it doesn't come as fast or as quick. And so we have to hold on and learn, okay, I have to learn through this text. I have to realize that when I sow into the, when I sow into the kingdom, when I sow into my, spirit, my spiritual life, it isn't always going to produce at the level or at the rate that this one can. And you have to trust in that. And what Paul is trying to convince us to do is like, hey, sometimes you can throw a seed out in the world and you throw it out there and it's like a weed. It just pops up overnight. You're like, wow, look at the successful garden you think you have. And then you go and you wait and you wait and you wait and there's no fruit coming out of it. And then you go and throw your seed over here in the kingdom and you throw it and you wait and you wait and you wait for your life to get a little different and you wait for your situation to get a little different and it's like, this has already been three days. I mean, this is already showing some promise, right? And so what do you do? You either have a choice in this moment to trust or to go back to what you want. And the world says, no, just come on over here. We'll give you what you need today. The problem is, is it won't give you what you need eternally. And this is where we have to really grab a hold of this. Is that, you know, sowing into the world is tempting. Let's be honest, Right? Like sowing into the world is tempting. It relieves you of most of your affliction and persecution, right? Like it, it relieves you of a lot of, 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 a lot of the things that, that we as Christians have to deal with. It's much easier to go through and sow into the world and not have to deal with the affliction and the persecution. Like, like when I get up in the morning, you know, and, and I get up in the morning, my flesh doesn't say, hey, you should go be with Jesus, Right, my flesh says you should go get some coffee. You should do you, boo. You should get what you want to get. That's what my flesh tells me when I get up in the morning. I've never had my flesh say you should go spend some quality time with Jesus. No, my flesh says you should check out the news. You should see who's died today. You should see who's changed. You know, whatever. I mean, just random things. That's what my flesh says. Hey, how many deer did you see on your camera today? That's what my flesh tells me. Hey, go through your dear dear app and see what is your, what's your future look like here? My flesh has never once said, hey, you should go be with Jesus. Why? Because, because my flesh isn't taking care of my spiritual life. My soul doesn't want anything to do with my spirit. My spirit has to tell my soul what it needs. My soul has to be controlled by my spirit. And when I sow into my spirit, my spirit will take over my soul. So when I wake up in the morning and say, oh, I just want to look at my camera. I want to open up my app and look at all my social media stuff. I want to do all of this. My spirit says, no, you need to spend some time with Jesus. And in that moment, that's where I have the opportunity to sow into the flesh or sow into the spirit. Oh, check out the ESPN app and see, read all the stuff that you already know about. Right? Like this is, this is, the, this is the war on our flesh and our spirit. This is what Paul is talking about, that 
I mean, have you ever had your, you wake up in the morning and be like, oh, go be with Jesus. No, I am always worried about what I want to do. My flesh is always making sure he takes care of me. Their spirit is, is, is only as strong as the seeds you give it. It can only grow at the rate that you feed it. Right? Like, your spirit isn't going to be stronger because you've been saved for 15 years. You could have been saved. This is why, hey, when they, how, how long have you been saved? Oh, I've been saved for 70 years. I'm like, well, you need to act like it. You have not been feeding it. Right? We have more people that, are, that, that have been saved longer that are more angry, less compassionate, less graceful, less merciful. Why? It's because they're feeding their soul and not their spirit. Right? Like, if you've ever, you know, when you were first saved, like, you were the most compassionate, like, forgiving, understanding person ever. Why? Because your spirit was like, woo! I'm alive! This is awesome! And your soul, you're like, I don't want any of that right now. Right? But then, as you quit feeding your spirit, your soul starts ramping up, and you start feeding it. You start feeding it whatever it needs, whatever it wants. And this is, this is where it becomes very dangerous, but, but it becomes very tempting to feed it, because our, our flesh, because it's sometimes, the, it's like, like, it's like the hunger pains. It's like, it's just easier to feed it. Like, instead of having to deal with the hunger pains of, of like, of starvation, sometimes it's just easier just to feed it. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but, like, there are times where I'm so hungry after doing something active that I'm like, I just go through the pantry, and I'm like a, a, like a, a bull in a china, I'm like, I'll eat anything. Like, I don't care. Give me some foam chips. That's great. I'll take it. I just want to get out of this feeling of starving. And this is what happens is that when we don't control our flesh, we will just eat whatever's in the pantry. Like, right, you've been told, never go to the grocery store hungry. I mean, you will go from a $50 grocery bill to a $250 grocery bill. Why? Because you want anything and everything to feed that flesh. This is why it's so dangerous. This is why Paul is saying, look, you need to feed your spirit and your spirit will tame down your soul. It'll tell your soul, chill out. You don't get that. There are times that my soul is raging and it wants things and my spirit has to say, nope, that's not, nope, you don't want that. But my spirit will only do that when I feed it, when I make it stronger. And what I'm getting at is some of you are so susceptible to the world and the things of this world and the culture it's not because you don't have a spirit. It's not because you're not saved. It's because you're sowing seeds in the wrong place. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 through 18, it says this. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, have you know that when our soul, our soul contradicts that scripture? Would you agree? Like, there are times when things that are small are like, they're molehills, they are mountains. Right? This is what happens. Is in the soulish realm, this is what happens. These small things become major things. But when you're spirit and you're living in a place of hope and faith, he puts things, he's like, no, this is a small thing. He says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And then he goes on and says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. See, the soil tends to be much easier to plant seed in. 
the, the soil of the culture tends to be much easier. It's kind of like right now, if you were to, to, to take this, the, the culture, like sowing into our flesh in our, in, our, in our soulish realm versus sowing into the spirit realm, the analogy that I would see is this, is like, you know, you've got this desire, and this field over here has already been plowed. It's been de-weeded. It's got all the stuff ready. All you got to do is go for it. Throw the seed out. That's the world. But over here, to sow into the spirit, you have to brush hog it. Then you have to mow it again. Then you have to till it up. Then you got to till it up some more. Then you got to pull the rocks out. Then you got to throw your seed in. Like, if you've got an option, which one are you going to do at first? When you first see it, you got a weed field or you got, you got a field already ready for, for ready to throw seed in. We're going to have a draw naturally in our flesh to feed our flesh, to do what we want, to, to, to feed our own desires. But here's the thing, is that this one, if you throw it in here, the seed will produce at a much greater rate in the sense of, of its nurturing, the nutrients and all the things that it can offer the seed. Over here, it may pop up and it may grow fast, but it can't sustain it because it dries out. It just, it pops up out of the ground and then it just dries out. This is what the flesh, we have to understand, this is what happens when we sow into something that is easy in the flesh, it doesn't produce like it will if you work through the grind to get this field ready and prepared. See, where we plant will determine whether the harvest is a regret or a reward. Oftentimes, the world says, this is going to be your reward. You get it, but it oftentimes turns into regret. When we sow into the kingdom, it goes from regret, like, man, this is taking forever, to reward. And this is a crucial mistake and error we make, is that it's oftentimes it's based on how quick we want something instead of how long we will get to keep it. Right? I don't know if you've ever been out picking baskets of apples or bushel of, of, you know, a thing of strawberries or blackberries or blueberries, and you've done that, and you're like, you're loading it up, and all of a sudden you start walking back to pay for it, and you, by the time you get halfway over, you realize half of the fruit is gone. And you look back, and you got like 25 strawberries behind you or 30 strawberries behind you because it had a hole in the bottom of it. This is exactly what culture does, is you do all the work, you fill up the basket, and you finally get ready to do a thing. You think that you're ready to go, and then you realize it's empty. It's got a hole in it. And it doesn't do what I thought it would do. It doesn't have the ability to hold in the fruit like I thought it would. This is exactly what the world does. Is it's my investment. I think that I can invest in here, and then I realize, you know what? This doesn't produce. You know, a funny story. When I was, I think I was 19 or 20, and... My older brother has always been really good at finances. He had his own company at like 19 years old. He's really successful, um, hard worker, but he was successful. And I always respected his financial, you know, wisdom and stuff. And he was like, hey, man, I've got, I was like 19 or 20 at the time. I finally had, I had a job and I had like $1,000 saved up. And I was telling him, I'm like, man, I got 1000 bucks saved. And he was like, he's like you know, I, there's this company that I've been in, you know, contact with and I've been working. He's like, one of the guys in the company is one of my friends, his parents or something like that. He's like, I really think if you get in on this, it's going to really help you out in the future. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I mean, just money cometh. Like, this is going to be awesome, easy investment. I've got the money. And so I went to Tulsa and this guy did his orientation. He does his little spiel 
and shares what this is what it's going to be. This is what we're going to offer you. It's going to be, you know, if you do a, a, a dollar per whatever, you're going to get this amount per dollar. It's like, I'm doing a thousand bucks. If this thing goes, it's like Bitcoin, what? No, not really. But this was before like all those types of things were really a big deal. This was like startup before startup was popular. And I was like, dude, I'm in on this. I'm trusting my brother. And, you know, so I'm like, okay, here, I sign up. They have us sit down and they're like, how, many would you, how much money would you like to invest? I'm like, a thousand dollars. And uh, they're like, okay, this is what you're going to get. And they gave me this little certificate. So I'm like, this is a real deal. And uh, so, you know, like they send me a letter and they were like, hey, we're, we're grateful that you, you know, are willing to invest in this company and we look forward to, you know, whatever and all this stuff. And I was like, that's when I got really excited because like they sent me a letter. Like I'm a partner in this business that is not existing yet. <laughs> that's how excited I was. And to tell you the final thing is that this is, this is what happened is I finally kept getting letters. Hey, this is what, you know, the blah, blah, blah. This, like, hey, we are this much closer to being a startup company. We need this amount of extra dollars before we can, you know, we can do it. I'm like, okay, come on, some more people get, in, get on this. And I'm like cheering this company on. And then about three years later, I realized that probably I'm not going to get anything back from my investment. And I had this, in fact, I think it was like right before me and Alicia got married, I was going through some of my stuff. And uh, I came across the certificate. And I was like, <laughs> that worked out real well. That was, I guess, uh, drive as fast as you can and with throw $1,000 out the window. That's what it felt like. And my point being is that these guys promised that they could give me a return on my money. The reality is they didn't give me anything but a piece of paper that cost me $1,000. And it didn't give me what I thought. And here's the world. The world will tell you, hey, we will change your lives. We will give you everything you need. If you do this, you can have this. And what do we do? So many times we become so gullible. We're like, yeah, when is the last time the world worked for you? Please answer that question. When is the last time that you feeding your flesh gave you what you really, really needed? It hasn't, right? But this is the funny thing. We literally show up to the same... Okay, I got an illustration. Uh, God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? Because he like, you know, y'all were losing. I, I was losing you. Back. Boom, illustration. Draw you back in. So you know that game with the claw? Oh, I got it. That's the world. Like, it's like, okay, I, it was close. I'm going to try it again. And they get, it's like, a, that was a dollar. And here's the funny thing about it is, is that you could have just gone to the store and bought the same toy for $4 and you just spent 10. But it was the hopes of you getting it. And this is what the world does is it says, put another quarter in me, put another dollar in me and I'll maybe give you what you want. And every time, every now and again, it's like it's programmed in the machine. After so many things, the claw will actually stay steady. And it'll come over, and it'll give it to you. I remember the first time Jay experienced this, and she was like, Dad, you got it! And I was like, sweetie, you don't even know the game. Hold on. <laughs> and it came over, boom, shook and fell right beside it. She was like, Dad, what happened? I was like, baby, this is the game. Like, this is, this is how it works. And this is just like the world, right? That claw, we put the money in. We're like, yeah, you're going to give me what you promised. It goes out. Everything looks right. You come back, and it's like it falls short of falling out and allowing you to receive it. This is exactly what us sowing into the world versus sowing into the spirit looks like. Is that we, we have hope. Sometimes we have more hope in the world than we do Jesus. 
that we are, and how, how can I tell you? Because you're putting seed in it. That's how I can tell that you have more hope in Jesus sometimes than you do. I mean, more hope in the world than you do Jesus because you're the one putting seed into it. Right? Like you put seed into what you think is going to produce for you. This is what happens when we trust the world, when we trust our flesh, we begin to sow into it instead of, instead of the, the kingdom. And God is saying, when will you trust me? Because this only leads to death and decay. When will you trust me? You know, verse eight and through nine, it says this. It says, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature only live to do that. That's dangerous, right? Satisfy their own sinful natures with, will harvest a, a decay and death from our sinful nature. You know, sowing to the flesh is attractive. It is. I think that we would be ignorant to say it's not. To say that it's not fun to sow into our, our flesh would be a lie. Because it tends to give us a false sense of security. Right? We begin to think we're something that we're not. We begin to, you know, and, and the problem is, is like it's real hard sometimes to tell our flesh no. Right? We live in a world where we don't like to be told no. Right? Like, we don't like that word. And the crazy thing about the word no is that even at a year and a half, my daughter Anaya hates the word no. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can get her more amped than when I tell her no. When I say no, she will be walking. And I'll say no, and I, she'll turn and she'll go. And she freezes, and then all of a sudden, she has this anointing, I'll call it, to scream at decibels that I didn't know were popular. I mean, possible. Like, she will, you tell her no, and then if you don't change your mind after you say no, she's screaming, and then she takes a deep breath, and she's like, you better change your no. And in that moment, I have a choice. Just keep with my no, or say yes. And it's crazy that she can have, I mean, she has like tears like on, on like a button or something. Like you push it, and she's like, pew. I'm like, that's impressive. Like, how do you do that? But the point being is, 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 here's the deal, is that the world is attractive to our flesh, and so many times we don't have the, the self-control to say no. Because forever we've lived with being able to be like, yes, yes, I can have that. When we get to a certain age, I can buy that if I want. I can have that. Instead of being able to say no. Your spirit has to be fed and strengthened, or it will always, it will always fail to say yeah, No. Our flesh will always rise up and be like, yes, you get it. You can have that. You can do that. You can believe that way. You can think that way. You can do that. Until you begin to feed your spirit, your flesh will always win out. Here in verse 8 and 9, it talks about that. And here's the second point that I want to make is this, is that the harvest reveals where your seeds have been placed. If you're wondering why your life is looking like it is, it's oftentimes because that's where you've been planting seed. He says that, that your harvest looks like what you've been planting in. And oftentimes our lives look like our, you know, our, our, the things that we're going through in life are oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes to do with what we've been sowing into. And the harvest will never return in a better condition than the seed. 
Whatever, whatever the seed is, it will never return. I can't, I can't sow into the world the seed and expect a spiritual return. But this is oftentimes what we expect. We get to this place where it's like that. You know, many times it isn't, it doesn't seem like it's worth um, sowing into our spiritual, like our spiritual lives, right? It doesn't seem like it's going to be worth it. Like you think about like, has your flesh ever said, you know what, you should get some solitude. You should get some silence. You should get into your word. You should pray. You should turn on some worship music. You should in, invest in, in, in a podcast. You should get a book to read. Like your soul never, I don't know about you, but my soul has never told me that. It is not until I want to feed my spirit that I'm realizing, okay, I've got, if I want something to happen, I have to be willing to do this. And every time when I get into solitude or silence with God, in that moment, sometimes my flesh is like, this isn't going to do anything. There are times where I get in my word and I'm like, this isn't probably going to do anything for me. It's not every time that I try to do something to feed my spirit that it's like, yeah, you're going to. Like, there are many times when I'm trying to do something in the spirit realm, trying to feed my spirit, that oftentimes I'm like, I don't know if this is going to produce anything. And so oftentimes the, the, the problem or the challenge is, is that when we sow into our flesh, we usually get an immediate return. So we tend to believe it. And then when the spirit, it's like, you've been praying for three years trying to be like, oh, you know, hey, like, why am I not here yet? It's because it takes time in that realm. It takes time to get to a place of, of intimacy with God. And you're, sometimes it's like, it's just easier to just feed our flesh. Watch that movie. Get onto social media. Do those things. And it's like, immediately gives us what we want. Instead of allowing it to become something that we work for to see the fruit of it. Now I want to move over to Mark real quick. Mark 8. And this is what it says in verse 34 through 37. This is Jesus and he's, this is not his disciples idea. This is not anybody else's. This is Jesus saying, if you want to be a follower of mine, this is the requirement. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What a convicting passage. Because here's the thing is that the world spends its life convincing you that you've obtained and you've got everything until you realize you've lost it all. I've been in many meetings with people who thought, I did this for my job, I got all this kind of money, I got all this success, I got all of this stuff, and they realize their marriage is dissolved, their kids don't like them, they're not happy with where they're at, and they've gained what we would say the world, realizing they've lost themselves. And then he goes on and it says this, is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The third and final point that I want to lay out here is this, is that what we gain comes from what we deny. So we can either gain the world and deny God, or we can deny our soul and gain God. But the reality is, is you can't do both. He says, if you want to be a follower of mine, you have to be willing to do this. And culture wants to give you just enough to keep you from turning to your out of your selfish ways. It wants to give you just enough to keep you alive, to keep you coming back. 
And, and here's one of the questions that I want to leave with you is this, is that what are you giving up to have the life that culture says you have to have, that you need to have? What are you giving up in your spirit realm? What are you giving up in your, in, in your soul to get what the world tells you you have to have to be successful? See, your soul will never be worth the short life this world can give you. Your soul will never be worth losing it for what you can obtain in this world. So my question for all of us is this, is that where are we throwing our seeds? Who has our seeds? Does the world, does it have all of who we are, all of our attention, all of our energy? Or are we really taking time to invest in our spiritual lives? Because here's the deal, I've, I've come to the conclusion about the culture is that really culture isn't a problem. If. It's only if. Because culture doesn't have power to lure me in if I'm not craving it. Right? Culture only has a power to have, it only has power over me in an area that I'm craving. So the more that I feed my spirit, the less I need what the world has to offer. So really culture only shows me where I'm void of God. The things that I am drawn and pulled to in this world are simply only, they're only acknowledging to me to let me know, okay, hey, in this area, I need to probably put a little bit more, more energy into my spiritual world in here. If it's like, man, I gotta have these relationships, you know, let me go here real quick and then I'll close because I did share this the, the first service. Is that, you know, on the day, on the week we left for vacation, we, you know, flew from here and, uh, we were going to be going to New York, but they rerouted us, thank God. Um, and on the, way, on the way down from the plane, you know, from the time that you get service in your, on your phone to the time that you land on the ground, you're not supposed to have your phone on, but everybody does it, right? And I, I was watching this guy next to me. How many of y'all know? I'm a, I'm a tad bit of a, uh, what was it I was saying? Nosy. Yeah, I'm a tad nosy. Come on, y'all, I'm about to blast y'all too. Y'all know when somebody's texting next to you, you're like, Looking like, what are they saying? I caught Alicia doing it last night. The guy in front of him was texting, and she was like, I was like, I, I can't judge. I do that all the time. I'm like, I totally reading somebody else's text. So anyway, this dude next to me in the plane, we haven't talked at all. He's just in his own little world, and I'm in mine. And all of a sudden, he gets on his phone because service is working, and he gets on Tinder. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody on Tinder in front of me. This is cool. Is he going to swipe left or swipe right? So I'm like, and no kidding. By the time that he, we landed and got to the gate, he had communicated with like seven different people. Like, hey, I'm interested, blah, 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 swipe right. Da, 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 da. Like having conversations with these people. And my heart broke for him because Here's the thing is the world told, tells him that this is what he has to have to have fulfillment. And when you don't take care of feeding your spirit, man, you, you run to being able to just, do I swipe right or swipe left? That it becomes a swipe left, swipe right world. Instead of it being about, wow, okay, God, you, there's nothing wrong with being single and having a desire to be in a relationship. But here's the thing. Are you going to let God do it or are you going to do it? 
And the culture says, you got to take care of you. You got to do it. Instead of trusting in God and his provision and his resources. And this guy, over the, the next 10 minutes, is having conversations with 20 people. I mean, it wasn't 20, but it was a lot. I'm like, dude, like, this is crazy. And my heart broke because the desperation of what this man needed wasn't going to be fixed in tender. That he had become convinced that he, the world has what he needs. And many of us have been swiping tender. We've been like so convinced that this world can give us what we think we need. And it's like we're having these conversations. We're giving in to certain things. We're doing certain things because we think we're convinced that this is what will happen. But Jesus says, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul, it's not worth it. And the world is going to keep telling you, so in this area, so in here, give here, give here. Don't do anything over here. But you will lose your soul when you don't do any investment in your spirit. Because it is only by your spirit that will help control the desires and the yearnings of your soul. Your soul is not saved, folks. Your soul is being saved. And it needs the spirit man to help. You guys can stand real quick as I close. And my heart for you this morning is more than anything that you would, that you would take 15 minutes this week and you, would take, and you would sow into yourself for 15 minutes a day for the next week. Literally 15 minutes. Take your phone and get rid of it. Take a notepad and anticipate God speaking to you. That you get away. I'm not talking about like just in your car. Where you're like, okay, I'm going to use it as I'm driving. I'm talking about literally getting 15 minutes alone. And some of you mothers are like, thank you, Jesus. Pastor said it. I'm going to do it. Right? Like 15 minutes where you, you, you get into a, a place of solitude and silence and you sit. Because we talked about burdens last week. And I believe that as you take time to sow and invest into you, that out of that, there are going to be seeds that are planted. And out of those seeds that there's going to be a birthing of burdens. That there's going to be some things that begin to happen and there are going to be some things that begin to, that, that begin to, to flourish out of your life. But you have to be willing to sit and be in solitude and be in silence. And maybe it's a scripture that God brings to your heart and you meditate on that scripture. But that you would take just 15 minutes and you would commit to that and you would allow yourself to just hear what God is saying what he wants to speak to you you're worth 15 minutes I believe that God has so much to speak to you and it may be that first day you get so discouraged because you don't hear anything Understand, it's not about that. It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, being with God doesn't seem like it's doing anything. There have been many times where I've had time with God and I don't know if I felt like I, you know, got anything out of it. There have been a lot of times that I've eaten food that I'd forgotten about 20, you know, two hours later. But it still nourished me. That you spending time with God will nourish you. It'll give you 
much more of what you need than what you want. And if this morning you say, I'm going to commit that maybe, I'm, maybe you're struggling in, in an area in your life that, that as we've, we've talked about, about the soulless realm, and there's things that have been, that have been just going, assaulting your, assault, your soul, and it's like that's all you can think about. It's all you put all your energy in, and that this is all you can help to do to exist and constantly invest in it. And this morning, you want some relief from that, that you are believing God for him to do something in your life and in your heart this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And so, Father, I lift up every person in this room, God, and I thank you. God, I thank you for every purpose, every single life, Every single situation and circumstance, God, that is filling these seats this morning. That, God, that you would help us see where we've been throwing our seeds into. That, God, that you would help us realize, God, that we have way more of a harvest waiting for us in the kingdom than we do in this world. Father, you would help us in this time, in this moment. Rest and trust in you. Trust in the seeds that we will put in you this this week. Father, I thank you right now. God, that as people get alone with you this week, God, that you would do supernatural things in their lives, in their minds, in their souls. Father, we just pray that this week, God, even as we sang this song about the fire, God, that we would open up these windows in our lives, God, that we would allow the the wind of God to blow over our hearts. And out of that, God, that there would be a new burden. There would be some new things that are revealed to us. That we would begin to to pursue those things, Lord. This morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to give your heart and your life to God. So many times we're convinced because we're good people that we don't need Jesus or that we're okay. And the reality is, is the Bible says that there is not one righteous, not even one. That without Jesus, we can't be made right. And this morning, I hope you understand that without Jesus, that you can never be good enough. That it is not in your goodness, it is in God's grace that makes you good. And his grace comes through salvation. And this morning, if you've never made him your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've prayed the prayer, and then you've kind of gotten caught up in the world and just sowing into yourself, this morning you realize, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to recommit my life and my heart. If that's you on either one of those this morning, you say, 
I'm going to give my life to Jesus or I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. Either one of those. If you would just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to pray with you this morning. I want to see who you are so I can know. Okay, I can be praying for you this week. You say, that's me. I'm going to give my life or recommit my life to you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those that all, that we, the fact that we all know you, God. I pray that this week you would give us opportunities to reach those that may not know you, to share the gospel and to love them well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.